Hello and welcome to Little Things with Amber L. E. Sensen. Today's episode is called, There's No Such Thing as a Little Lie. But first, let me tell you a little bit about me. I have been writing and teaching Bible studies for the past 15 years. I've worked with women, youth, Sunday school. I've been blogging for Time of Grace since 2017. I've written two books for them. Really what you need to know is that I love the Lord and I love the Word of God. And I find that the deeper I go into the Word of God, the more astounded I am that He loves us and that He notices us and that He cares so deeply about our lives. And my role is really to get people into the Word and to show them how awesome it is and to really get them to a place that they want to know and love God more. That's kind of my mission in life in a nutshell. We're going to explore this whole idea of saying not quite the truth and how prevalent that is in our culture and find out that this has been going on forever. Okay, this is nothing new. This is how the world has always gone. And we're going to find out why. And then we're going to see how God feels about that. And we're going to use some quotes and scripture, of course, to get to the bottom of this whole thing. So let's get started. First of all, I came across this topic while I was looking up the word integrity. And maybe you know it already. I didn't. But the word integrity comes down to two things. One is honesty. And the second thing is moral uprightness. So I figured if integrity is at least half honesty, then it's pretty important. And it seems to me that being honest is not something that we are necessarily super, super good at because we tend to bend the truth a lot. And we do that in several different ways. So I want to explore some of those today. And I also found places in the Bible where each of these things were done so that we realize this has been going on since the fall into sin. And that's where Jesus directs us, of course. Jesus tells us in John 8, 44, that Satan was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And that's how he deceived Adam and Eve and tempted them to fall into sin, is by telling them half-truths, is by um, saying, did God really say? And guess what? You won't die. You surely won't die. You'll be like God. Well, we did die. (laughs) All of mankind fell into sin, and because of that, we all die. So Satan is where this originated. And ever since Satan um, tempted Adam and Eve and they fell into sin, lying has been something that is part of daily life. So let's look at the different ways that we can lie. We can lie straight out, looking someone in the eye and telling them the opposite of what is true. And we see this in Genesis chapter 31. So Jacob has married Laban's two daughters, Rachel and Leah, and they have lived there for some time. They've had a whole bunch of kids, and Jacob decides he's had enough, and he wants to go back to his homeland. So he loads up all his kids, all his flocks and herds, his servants, and they take off. And Laban finally realizes that they're gone, so he goes after them. And he asks, you know, why did you do this? And by the way, 
Why did you take my idols, my household gods, with you when you went? Now, there's a whole lot we could say about that. I'm not sure why Laban had household idols, but Jacob knew nothing about this. The truth is that Rachel, Jacob's favored wife, the woman he loved, took the idols. And, but Jacob didn't know about it. So Jacob said, listen, we didn't take your idols. In fact, search everywhere. And if you find them, you can kill whoever has them. Well, this is what we read, starting in Genesis 31, verse 33. So Laban went into Jacob's tent and into Leah's tent and into the tent of the two maidservants, but he found nothing. After he came out of Leah's tent, he entered Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the household gods and put them inside her camel's saddle and was sitting on them. Laban searched through everything in the tent, but found nothing. Rachel said to her father, Don't be angry, my lord, that I cannot stand up in your presence. I'm having my period. So he searched, but could not find the household gods. Straight up lying to her dad to get out of the fact that she had stolen his gods. And this is what we do when we look someone in the eye and we tell them, a lie, the truth, something that's not even close to the truth, or something that we know is not the truth, just straight out lying. That's one form of lying. We're all familiar with it. It's when we say, hey, have you been doing such and such? Have you been smoking? And someone says no, and you can smell the cigarette on them, right? So um, that's a straight out lie. Another way that we can lie is by exaggerating. And we see this all the time, really. But when you have children, this is something that's very common, or if you work with kids. So I I teach, and I've been teaching Sunday school and um, Bible history and the teen Bible class. And and you'll see kids say, my mom never lets me do such and such. Or my mom is always making me do whatever. Um, Exaggeration. It's, <laughs> I have to say, I bet you that's not true. I bet there are times that she lets you do whatever it is. Um, but, you know, kids can be very prone to exaggeration. But it's not just kids that are prone to exaggeration. A lot of adults are prone to exaggeration. We like to make things seem much worse than they are. Oh, you have no idea what I have been through today. Um, okay. <laughs> I guess not, but is it really as bad as what you're saying? Or are you making it sound worse than it is? Because when we really put it in perspective, a lot of times we do exaggerate and make things sound way worse than they are. So um, in the Bible, the book of Esther, Haman was one of um, King Xerxes' nobles, and he absolutely hated Mordecai. Because Mordecai was a scribe, he was a Jewish man, and we're told that um, King Xerxes had raised Haman up, and he was given a seat of honor higher than that of all the other nobles. So in Esther chapter 3, verse 2 says, all the royal officials at the king's gate knelt down and paid honor to Haman, for the king had commanded this concerning him, but Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honor. So Mordecai was a Jew. He wouldn't kneel down, pay honor to anyone except for God. And so this caused um, friction between the two of them. So 
in the spirit of exaggeration, Haman went to King Xerxes, and this is what he said, starting in verse 8. Haman said to King Xerxes, There is a certain people dispersed and scattered among the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom, whose customs are different from those of all the other people and who do not obey the king's laws. It is not in the king's best interest to tolerate them. If it pleases the king, let a decree be issued to destroy them. And I will put 10,000 talents of silver into the royal treasury for the men who carry out this business. So Haman had a beef with Mordecai. And he exaggerated it and made it seem as if all the Jews were problem people. Were they all? No. He had a problem with one. He wanted to get rid of one. But he had to make a big deal of this to make it seem as if it would be in the king's best interest to get rid of all of them. Exaggerating is not telling the truth. It is making more of something than it is. And it's really something that we should try to get under control and and really not do because it is a form of lying. Okay, another way that we can sometimes lie is to take credit for things that we have no business taking credit for. So you see this um, a lot of times when, when something really good happens, it is not unusual for people to say, oh, yeah, I was part of that or you know, yeah, I really worked hard on that or whatever. No one is rushing to take the credit when something terrible happens. Everyone's backing away and said, yeah, I really had nothing to do with that. But when something good happens, man, everybody wants a little bit of that credit. This is nothing new. We see it in Daniel chapter 2. So Daniel and his friends had been taken to Babylon, and King Nebuchadnezzar was the king, and he had a dream. And he had gathered his wise men and said, what I want from you is I want you to tell me the dream and then I want you to interpret the dream for me. And they said, well, that's crazy. Nobody can do that. We can't certainly tell you what your dream was. You tell us our dream and we'll tell you what it means. And he said, no, I'm sick of you guys just telling me what you want to tell me. I don't trust you. I want you to tell me what I dream, what I dreamt and then tell me the interpretation and then I'll trust you. And um, when they couldn't, then he sent an executioner out to kill all the wise men in the land. And so the executioner came to Daniel, and Daniel said, what's going on? Why, why are you coming to get me to execute me? And so the executioner told Daniel the whole story. And Daniel asked to be taken to the king. And when he went to the king, he asked for a little bit of time. That night, he and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they prayed, and overnight, God gave Daniel the dream and the meaning of the dream. So the next day, Daniel got a hold of the executioner and asked to be brought to the king again. Now listen to what Ariok, the executioner, says as he comes to King Nebuchadnezzar with Daniel. This is Daniel chapter 2 starting at verse 25. Ariok took Daniel to the king at once and said, I have found a man among the exiles from Judah who can tell the king what his dream means, as if he has been searching high and low. (laughs) He wants just a little bit of the credit. He wants to be part of the whole crew that saved the day. In contrast, Daniel tells the king the dream. He tells him the interpretation. 
And then this is what we read. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at court. Daniel didn't worry about taking all the credit for himself. When he did what God allowed him to do, and he said that right off the bat, I couldn't do this. God gave me the dream and the interpretation. He made sure that his friends got the credit with him. (laughs) He wasn't doing this alone. His friends had prayed for him. He made sure to bring them up. So totally different, just the opposite. Taking the credit, that's a means of deception. When we take credit for things that we haven't done, that executioner had nothing to do except for that he brought Daniel into the presence of the king. Other than that, he didn't have anything to do with the dream or the interpretation. Whereas Daniel wasn't worried about getting the glory for himself. That, that wasn't the deal at all. He was watching out for his friends. And by the way, the friends were part of it. If you're praying for your pastor, then as your pastor succeeds and as he has good sermons and as um, he does his work well, you are sharing in that ministry. The credit isn't just to the pastor. The credit goes to God first and foremost. But you've been praying. You're part of that ministry. So Daniel was sure to not take the credit, but to share the credit. And that is, that's honesty right there. First of all, giving the credit to God. He could have gone to King Nebuchadnezzar and been like, hey, king, like, I am really something. Listen to what I did. He didn't. He said, first and foremost, this is from God. And then, by the way, I have these friends who were praying with me. If you could just do something for them, too. Okay, another way um, that we lie is by deceiving or manipulating the truth. And um, this is shown loud and clear in the story of Dinah in the Old Testament. This is in the book of Genesis, chapter 34. And Dinah was a daughter of Jacob, and um, she had gone in the land of Canaan, and she was raped by a man. And this man wanted to have her for his wife. And so he came to Jacob and Jacob's sons and said, you know, I want to marry Dinah now. Well, that's not what Jacob wanted. It's not what the sons wanted. Certainly not after Dinah had been raped. But they didn't intend to to do that anyway. And so um, when Shechem and his father Hamor came and asked for um, Dinah's hand in marriage, instead of giving them a straight out no, no, we're not going to do that. You've done a terrible thing in in our our eyes and we're not going to allow this. Um, Jacob's sons deceived Hamor and Shechem. And um, this is what they said, starting in verse 13. Because their sister Dinah had been defiled, Jacob's sons replied deceitfully as they spoke to Shechem and his father Hamor. They said, we can't do such a thing. We can't give our sister to a man who is not circumcised. That would be a disgrace to us. We'll give our consent to you on one condition only, that you become like us by circumcising all your males. Then we'll give you our daughters and take your daughters for ourselves. We'll settle among you and become one people with you. But if you will not agree to be circumcised, we'll take our sister and go. So the men of Canaan, of this little area, they all 
decide this was a good deal because if they got circumcised, then they would be one with Jacob and we they would have his his flocks and herds and sheep and all of the above. So they circumcised all the males. And then this is what we read. <laughs> Three days later, while all of them were still in pain, two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, took their swords and attacked the unsuspecting city, killing every male. And then they carried off all their wealth, all their women and children, taking as plunder everything in the houses. They deceived. They manipulated the truth and did it for their own advantage. And that is certainly not um, walking with God. That's not... You know, Jesus made it clear that all lies originate from Satan. And that is a really huge wake-up call to me. When I bend the truth, when I um, don't tell the whole whole truth, or I make things seem what they're not, I'm aligning myself with Satan. And um, I don't want to align myself with Satan. I want to be a woman of integrity, and that means honesty. Now, there's a couple things to consider. Um, one is social media. It is really easy to put our best foot forward on social media. So we only, you know, <laughs> post the pictures that are good. We um, manipulate photos to make us seem like we are something that we're not. So I know I certainly have been part of... Um, family pictures where we've taken like eight pictures or nine pictures till we all look exactly how we want to look. And I've also uh, made my kids stand in a certain spot of the house so people don't see what's behind them if they take a picture in the other spot of the house. So we're really presenting one little aspect, which is fine as long as people understand that. There have been times after one family vacation, I posted our great pictures and then I posted our blooper reel, which was (laughs) children pouting or all of us hot or um, just the pictures when we're really struggling or one person is looking away. There's some pictures where all of us are looking away. Um, But just to, to keep it real and to make sure that people understand we're not a perfect family and I don't want, I don't want anybody to think we are. Another part of this is that um, I think it's important to understand that there are times that it is not a sin to withhold information. So I'm thinking about children. Small children don't need to know everything, and I would even say older children don't need to know everything. Um, sometimes they don't need to know how severe problems are or um, things that are going on behind the scenes. Um, And even the elderly, I remember very well when we were at a point of um, change in the church and I talked to an elderly woman and I was asking what her husband thought about all this and because we were kind of really trying to decide a direction to go. And she said, oh, we do not get involved in this at all anymore because so-and-so has a bad heart and I don't want him to worry about this. So these days, we just pray that the Lord directs the church and we leave it at that. And I think that's really important for us to understand. Um, when talking about the truth, we don't have to blurt the whole truth all the time. In fact, sometimes it's sinful to blurt the whole truth. We don't have to broadcast everybody else's sin. 
um, in the in the uh, way of saying, oh, well, I have to tell the truth all the time, so you should know that so-and-so has sinned this way. That would be wrong. That would be wrong to do. Um, I also don't think that it's necessary that we go around, you know, when people ask you how you're doing, you don't have to go around and say, well, actually today I woke up with a headache and my hip hurts and I didn't get much sleep last night because my teenage son wasn't behaving. Or, you know, you don't have to (laughs) spill everything. That's not what this is talking about. But there is some advantage among your close Christian friends of being able to say when they ask, how are you doing? Being able to say, you know, I don't feel the best or I'm struggling with one of my children and I would love your prayers. One of the things that I love to do is get together with my good, solid Christian friends and be able to sit down and chat about what's really going on in our lives. When I leave those times, I often have a prayer list that I didn't have before and I can feel my friends praying for me. Um, I can just feel that someone else is helping to carry the load. In fact, just recently I had been absolutely exhausted. I met a friend for coffee. Yesterday I was exhausted. I said I have not been sleeping well. Last night I slept all the way through the night, eight hours of sleep for the first time. And when I woke up, I thank God. And I thank God for Christian friends who lift me up in prayer and who remember me. And so, uh, you know, I think I think there's validity in um, being honest and open with people enough to say, I could use your prayers. I could, I could use a little help in this situation. Two quotes that I want to share with you. They're both from Mark Twain. Um, and I thought that they were just excellent. The first one was, if you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. So you don't have to remember the story you make up to cover for what you've been doing if you just tell the truth. (laughs) And I would say in that case, too, if you're not doing what you shouldn't be doing, you don't have to come up with a story to cover it up. (laughs) So that's even better. Um, The second quote is, "A a lie can travel halfway around the world while the truth is putting on its shoes. Gossip columns, the gossip magazines, and now it's um, TMZ people, the Daily Mail, I mean, the the things that the stories that come up on Facebook and all those um, gossip news shows and all that, you know, they take little snippets of information and they run with it. And the world eats it up with open arms. And if we want to get to the bottom of everything, the, the total truth, the total truth is found in the word of God. Just as Satan is the father of lies, God is truth. There's not any deception in God. So if we want the total truth, we go to the Bible. And again, God didn't withhold things that he knew would be for our good. So there are some things he withheld from us. We don't know a whole lot about heaven. There's a whole lot that we don't know. But boy, these these accounts like what I read to you today, God didn't hold back. He didn't save the embarrassing parts and keep that information out. We are told a lot. In fact, I've been teaching the teen Bible study at church, and we have a we've been going through and just um, it's a Bible study that I call "That's in the Bible." And we have been um, our first uh, Bible studies were in the Book of Genesis, and we finally had to leave the Book of Genesis because there is so much in there. Um, you know, it's Noah getting drunk and Lot sleeping with his daughters and Judah sleeping with his daughter-in-law. 
And I'm like, you know what, guys, we are getting out of the book of Genesis for a little bit because there's, I mean, and there's things in there that you wouldn't print in your autobiography or you wouldn't want to tell other people about your family line. But God didn't withhold it from us because he knew there were lessons to learn and he knew that um, it was important that we understand that his people who he used were flawed, very flawed, and also that we learn from their mistakes too. So um, the Bible is very honest. If we want the truth, don't leave that getting dusty on the shelf while we soak up you know, all the rumors and all the gossip that's going around the world. Don't sit in front of your TV eating up that or your phone or your computer or whatever while your Bible sits getting dusty. Go to the truth. Go to the source of truth and learn. <laughs> learn from what God has put in the Bible. And, and again, aim to be a person of integrity and to really walk with honesty. That's something that I'm really going to be working on. Um, just total truth and having the wisdom to know what to say when, how much to say, how much to divulge, um, but not withholding the total truth when it would be in someone's best interest to know it too. This has been Little Things, because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things. If you know somebody who would um, benefit from this message, please share it with them. And don't forget that we really love your prayers, and we need your financial contributions to share this message and others like it with even more people.